Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Bruning, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. It is first to go. Ball spotted just inside the 10. Algier in. Wilson faked it to him and keeps it. Zach Wilson, the speed, and he dives for the end zone. Touchdown. That's off the Nate. Gibbs, who is probably going to be the best pass catcher out of the three. Now. He's going to get after it again. And look at the speed and the spark and the score from Gibbs. Just what Georgia Tech needed. That's Matt Bruning. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Austin, you tweeted something, bro. You tweeted your running back ranking. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Ohio State fan talking there. Oh, shit. That is why you come to the Debbie debate. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Mace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern, the time zone with the firmest handshakes. That means it's time for the Debbie debate. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nate. Nace on a shoeless version of today's show. What am I afraid to say publicly about Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz? Will Ohio's will an Ohio State wide receiver be entering the transfer portal? And we check in on Cleveland Keaton Slovis. But we start with we've got nine more spots left in our jersey giveaway. That is a signed Kyler Murray, Oklahoma jersey that we are giving away for a rate and five-star review. On the iTunes page, get uh, or the Apple Podcast page, get yourself entered into that drawing. We've got nine more spots until we're at 30, and then we're going to draw. Austin, week 15 in college football has passed. We're getting ready to go into bowl season. And is there a player that piqued your interest in that 70 to 7 Arizona State over Arizona blowout? I think Arizona made pretty much everybody on Arizona State look like NFL guys, if we're being honest. But uh, one guy, because I watch Arizona State every week because I really like Diamante Triano. Well, he's one of my guys back like in April, May, and, and he's been really, really good this year. But he's been upstaged uh, quite a bit this season by Rashad White, who is a junior running back on the roster. And he's one of those guys every year in college football that kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, he, you know, Triano and then both – both him and Nada were, were much higher rated recruits. He's a Juco guy, zero, zero, basically zero recruiting offers. He had a D, single D2 offer coming out of, of high school, uh, then transferred and went the Juco route, did nothing his first year in Juco, and then had a nice, nice second year that got him some offers. He, so he went to Mount San Antonio College, which I've never heard of, but they do have some. They, Bruce Irvin from the Falcons played there, uh, Chris McAllister, uh, played with those Ravens 2000 defenses as a corner and the CFL's all-time leading passer played there as well, hmm. which I thought was very interesting. I'd never heard of the guy, Anthony Calvillo, Calvillo, 
but but interesting. So he went to Arizona State. He kind of figured he'd just sit behind those guys. He was a depth piece, but he has looked really explosive and extremely efficient on a pretty, admittedly, pretty small sample size this year. Uh, through three games, he has 29 carries for 262 yards and three touchdowns. So he's averaging nine yards a touch on the ground. And then he has six catches for 123 yards and a touchdown. So he's averaging 20 and a half yards per reception. He is a bit older. He's 6'1", 195, so he needs to gain a little bit of weight if he wants to go to the NFL. But you have to figure he's making a case for himself this year where if he continue, you know, I don't know what their bowl situation or whatever is going to look like this year with the, with the limited schedules, but he's making a case if he gains a few, ta- uh, a few pounds to, uh, to, to be looked at in the NFL, which you would have thought was absurd a year ago. So kudos to him. I'm excited to see what he does the next year or two. I'm a person that prefers size at that position, but at 6'2", 195, he has the frame to put on more weight. And you got to give kudos to Arizona State for doing their job and bringing in transfers at the skill position players. You've got Rashad White now, and two years ago you had Brandon Ayuk. Um, So we go from one big, lanky running back to another. Dominic Richardson, a true freshman for Oklahoma State, Um, 23 carries, 169 yards, and three touchdowns as he looks to be taking the reins from Chuba Hubbard there. Obviously, uh, Desmond Jackson had a uh, good week last week, but he went down in the second quarter of this game and then returned. But Oklahoma State continued to ride Richardson. Richardson, six foot, 205 pounds, and he runs with bad intentions. He's a three-star prospect from Oklahoma, so he stayed home. Now, this is interesting because uh, he originally early committed to TCU. Then Zach Evans' maligned recruiting process is delayed. Zach Evans commits to TCU May 11th, 2020. Richardson decommits from uh, TCU May 30, uh, 31st, 2020, and he signs with Oklahoma State in July. So it will be very interesting to see how those two players' uh, stories are intertwined. I know that Desmond Jackson originally got the chance to take over for Hubbard, but I haven't been very impressed with him, and I was impressed with Richardson. And if you want to go to my Twitter page, at Sharp Review, I posted – uh, some cuts of his tape uh, this this past week, so you can take a look at how he's performed. One last thing on uh, on Richardson: two thousand yards as a sophomore in high school, it's, and didn't play as a junior. Seventeen hundred yards as a senior. There is something to like about him. He can put on more rate, weight at six foot two oh five, and I I've just picked him up on one of my C two C rosters. So. I recommend that folks go and take a look at Dominic Richardson. Bruning, let's throw it to you. Um, we had a a the son of a Hall of Fame player had a mini breakout this week. Talk to me about Brennan Rice. Yeah, so 6'3", 205 freshman out of Colorado. Uh, being honest, has not done much of anything this year. One catch, then two catches in the, the first three games. Last week does get the one catch for 61 yards and a touchdown. Does also get the punt return uh, for a touchdown as well. The first player to do that in, 
I believe in Colorado's uh, season or past 25 seasons, I'm sorry, uh, against Utah here. Uh, obviously, as you just mentioned, what's up? Yeah, you know, I'm glad to see the XFL is coming back. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. The Their head coach did come out and said that he's been playing well in practice. He's a good young player, and they, they feel he's got upside. He's trending upwards. They expect him to get more work. Obviously, their season's pretty much over with, so I don't know how much more work he's going to get this year. They've got a game this weekend, and I'd imagine with them being with just the one loss, if they win this week, they'll be in a bowl game. So they'll get to play the bowl game as well. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to say that he can be his dad, but he's obviously got the bloodlines. I'm sure he's got a lot of um, expectations heaped on him because of who his father is, and, and argument is probably the greatest wide receiver to ever play the game. But being there at Colorado, I'd, I'd like to see what he can do. He's a very intriguing prospect. He's a guy that in my C2C leagues I will definitely take a shot on just because of the namesake and, and what he did because he did look big, explosive, looked really good on that. I mean, the touchdown was extremely easy, but looked good on the punt return in my opinion. So I'm excited to see what he does the last two weeks of the season. They also gave him a LaVisca Chenault's number, so take that for what it's worth. Um, all right, guys. I want to play a little a little game with you guys. Uh, I want to consider some takes that we are afraid to say out loud. So I'll start here. I'm going to state the take. I'll state the rationale for the take, and then I'll let you all react, okay? Um, the first one I'm going to go with is Graham Mertz. Before I state the take, let's just do a little bit of a setup. Graham Mertz balled out at that all-star game, five touchdowns or whatever it was, We've been waiting to see him, and then he comes out his first game uh, this season after redshirting last year. He did get some playing time last year, but his first full season as a starter as Jack Cohn goes down. First game against Illinois, ninety-five completes 95% of his passes, is just very efficient, um, is just kind of a point guard on the football field. Since then, he has not completed more than 60% of his passes in any game. And this past weekend against Iowa, he just looked broken. That said, I think <laughs> I think that the high-end comp for Graham Mertz is Peyton Manning. And I think that that's in, within his range of outcomes. And let me state why. Because <laughs> Graham Mertz, at his best, gets the ball out very quickly. And the thing that impresses me about Graham Mertz is his ability to go from read one to two to three faster than anyone that I've watched. If those receivers are open, if they're not, there's a problem. And the thing that made Peyton Manning Peyton Manning is that you couldn't sack him. It was three seconds and the ball was out of there. He was efficient. He took shots, but Peyton Manning, the thing that defined his career was his efficiency and his ability to go from one read to another or even before the snap faster than your defensive lineman could get to him. And that is what I see in Graham Mertz, the ability to go from read one, two, three, really just like in two seconds. And it's impressive. But Wisconsin does not have – the dogs to to support his play style. They run a lot of hitches and short stuff, and it's just not a dynamic offense. They need someone to take the top off the defense, and you look at their recruiting class, and the, the top three or four recruits are offensive linemen, like you would expect. 
from a Wisconsin team. So I still be- I really believe in Graham Mertz. I think that he has a very high ceiling, and I think that a potential comp for him is Peyton Manning. I'll let you guys say whatever you want to say. Austin? Don't all talk at once. I have zero idea what to say to that. (laughs) I got something. You go first. I I mean, if we're comparing 2022 quarterbacks to Hall of Famers, then I think Grant Gannell is the next Tom Brady. So let's just keep it rolling. Austin, who do you got? Let's compare him. Who's who's the next Steve Young for you in that? Is it Sam Howell? You think uh, Uh, Dylan Gabriel? Dylan Gabriel, the next Steve Young. There we go. There we go. Now we got all our hot takes out with the 2022 class and their Hall of Fame comparisons. Uh, I don't don't think Mertz is as – is as bad as he has looked the past couple of weeks. I am I am crazy, and I've said some crazy shit on this show. I am never going to compare Graham Mertz to Peyton Manning, so that's all you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that one go. That's going to be the cut-up. I'm throwing it on Twitter at the end of the show. I'm tagging Peyton Manning in it. Hopefully he responds. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get a Peyton's place where he breaks down Graham Mertz game film and lets us know how close he is to him. The title of the segment is takes that you are afraid to say out loud. That qualifier needs to be out there. This is a take that I am afraid to say out loud, but I just did it. You shouldn't have. You, you, so. you should have let I that one kept in. I see. I see Jared right. Goff with him. I don't know about you guys. I see Jared Goff a lot with him. Jared Goff, Peyton Manning. For, for I can better, see the levels out pretty close with those two. No. I guess. Yeah, but they they need to recruit a receiver. I don't know why they can't. Yeah. Like I, I just don't even think they try. Like I just don't think they care. No, They'll it's not the their. It's back. not their brand. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll, we'll never see it from him there. He'll have to get be like a third or fourth round guy, and hopefully, hey, it's well, turns out transfer portal. It turns out you've heard you've heard it here first. <laughs> All right, Peyton Manning. Since you loved my take so much, why don't you go next? Give us your take. You know, you are afraid to say out loud. I actually was going to switch it up on you. And now I honestly don't remember what I was going to say because I'm just so <laughs> like taken back by what just happened. Um, I'll just go with th- something that's been hot. I, I did not want to go with this. I really had something different. Uh, but something that's been hotly debated on Twitter the Heisman has been a quarterback award for probably what's been the past eight, nine years since Derrick Henry West well, probably has been that long. Then seven years since Derrick Henry won it. He's the last non-quarterback to have won the, the Heisman. I think, I think Devonta Smith deserves to win the Heisman this year for everything he's done. I don't think any of the quarterbacks have done anything to step up and prove that they deserve it. Kyle Trask losing to LSU and not necessarily looking that good. I think hurt his Heisman chances as much as I'd love to see, Justin Fields win it. I don't think he's got enough games underneath his belt. There's obvious, There's news today that there's more COVID test positives at Ohio State right now is the rumors. So there's a chance they may not even play Northwestern now this weekend. So uh, I don't know if he's going to have enough. And obviously Lawrence missed a couple of the games as well and hasn't necessarily looked his best. He's getting um, not pulled out because of bad play, but pulled and having DJ Ugalele or Ugalele, whatever, go in there and play because they're trying to get him reps. So I think Devonta Smith deserves to win the Heisman in 2020. I'll take it a step further. I don't. I think the second runner-up shouldn't even be a quarterback. I think it's the second runner-up should be Kyle Pitts. And if we're going to put, you know, have three finalists, maybe you got Mac Jones, uh, uh, Devonta Smith and, and Kyle Pitts, but I don't think that that the voting should be dominated by quarterbacks at all this year. 
you know, the, the year that Mark Ingram won it and Dominican Sue should have won it. And this year they, they just, they have to give that award to someone else for the reasons that you stated, but Austin, what do you, you got anything on Devonta Smith? No, I agree with that. I, I do think Trask should probably be in the finals. Um, and I actually might take him over Pitts just because he's played every game. I mean, Pitts has been great, but because like if Tony's done really well this year, Grimes has done well this year. So I think I think Trask over over Pitts for me. But I wouldn't argue with Smith. I mean, you guys all gave me a side eye when I brought up Smith should be the first receiver drafted last week or two weeks ago or whatever. He said deserved. I don't feel he deserves to be. But you know, that's right. you know the lawyer talk that you guys brought on the show. You got to dumb it down for me. You got to remember, not a lawyer over here. Sorry. All right, Austin, (laughs) give us your take. Let's. uh, I'm gonna rate yours on the Scoville scale. What is your take that you're you're afraid to say out loud? Man, well, I guess we have established now that this is a safe space, so I feel a little more comfortable saving this after what Felix said. So, thanks for that. Um, So, I'm gonna preface this statement by I like Keaton Slovis. I don't think he's a bad player, and I had him ranked as my fourth rated quarterback coming into coming into this year in his class. But I, I ranked him there, and I think, you know, a lot of us, when we do these Debbie rankings, we rank freshmen high with the assumption that they're going to develop skills in certain areas. They might be good at X and Y, but they aren't good at Z, but we think they can become good at Z. And I'm going to be honest, I've watched three or four USC games this year now, and Keaton Slovis just hasn't looked good. You can talk about... I mean, it was cute that the comeback against Arizona State where they they pulled it out at the end, you know, with the onside kick and all that stuff. But the pat like this past week against UCLA, they were down and they came back again. But they were down because Slovis was terrible. He was missing guys left and right. He threw an awful interception where he just completely misread the coverage on the outside. I haven't seen him take those take those next steps that I really really wanted to see him take coming into this year. I liked as a freshman, he is still probably the best guy in his class throwing under pressure, um, which is good because he isn't mobile. And we talk about that all the time on the show. We don't like these non-mobile quarterbacks, but he's pretty good mechanically. So, so I like those things about him, but they're very like vanilla things. The things that he, I thought that he needed to work on coming into the year, he's not great at reading defenses. And last year it was mostly middle of the field stuff that he was misreading. But this year I've seen him read stuff on the, on the boundary poorly as well. He's not a very creative passer, and what I mean by that, I guess, is that he he can't really mix up velocity, arm slot, etc. He kind of has one motion, one speed, and if he doesn't hit it, then he's got some issues. And last year, he he had a lot of ball security issues when he was scrambling. He had eight fumbles in 12 games last year, and he has three and five this year, so he really hasn't cleaned it up at all he hasn't really dropped in my rankings at all. Like uh, within his class, he has dropped uh, in my overall rankings. I had, I jumped in with by DJU jumped him. Uh, Bryce young, even though he hasn't played it all this year, jumped him. I just don't, I don't know if I see a starting NFL quarterback from watching him this year. So that's my take. I don't think Keaton Slovis, at least right now without any development next year is a starting NFL quarterback. You know, and, and his value is really high. I mean, I almost got a trade done sending, Teddy Bridgewater uh, for Keaton Slovis. But the thing about a quarterback, at least for me, or really any position, is I want to see the kind of elite traits. Uh, The Joe Burrow type player is not going to be someone that I ever uh, gravitate towards. 
I like what Justin Herbert looks like. I like what Trey Lance looks like. You know, they have hoses and um and and Keaton Slovis is more of a, a player who wins with nuance. And I in my football players, I like um something a little more demonstrative. All right. Um, I think we're circling back to me and uh Bruning. This is this is specifically for you, okay? Because yeah. I, I don't feel timid about this take at all, even though I did about the Graham Mertz take. And that is is that I think Rashad Bateman is going to be an excellent day three pick in the fourth in the fourth round. And let me tell you why. So 6'2, 210 pounds, but not used as an alpha at Minnesota. The, the wide receivers that get drafted high, get drafted first, they're X receivers, alphas, or they're high-end stretch, stretch flankers who can take the top off of a defense. Uh, Rashad Bateman is not either one of those things. He's used in the slot 62% of the time. Why are we using this player, who is allegedly a dynamic receiver, in the slot to make things easier on him? He... In the slot, you get a two-way go. In the slot, you're not facing man coverage. In the slot, you're lined up on a safety. You're 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 getting coverage from a safety. Uh, Rashad Bateman's the his passer rating, quarterbacks the quarterback's average passer rating when targeting him between zero and ten yards is 162, 106.2. When when you take that to 10 and up, it drops to 70.8, okay? So I think that the comps for uh, Rashad Bateman are Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas. I think he's a big Cole Beasley. He's not Allen Robinson. And those players are taken – they're not taken in the first round. Oftentimes, they're not taken in the second round. And – um I don't know. I like wide receivers who can take the top off the defense. I don't think that he can. Bruning, I think that you have a slot receiver as your number one overall receiver in a super talented class. And I'm sorry I had to tell you that, but. No, that's, that's fine. Um, really quickly, just to just to go back to your previous statement, maybe it's because I've had a lot of lack of sleep here lately and everything. Um, just, you know, to keep this show a little kid-friendly, maybe when you talk about quarterbacks' arms, call it a cannon, not a hose, because when you say hose, my mind goes – when you say that these guys got hoses, my mind goes to a completely different area than a really strong arm. So maybe go cannon to strong arms. Just, you know, keep it, keep this kid-friendly. Um, anyways, on to Rashard Bateman. Why I disagree with you. Uh, so, yes, this year he's been playing a lot in the slot, uh, but let's all be honest, Minnesota sucks badly. Uh, maybe they're using him there just because that's where he is winning and they're trying to win games. I just pulled up last season's stats, and uh, out of 771 total uh, times he lined up on their total snaps, 662 of them came from being out wide. 97 of them came from being in the slot. So about that being a slot receiver role thing. He did it this year. I think this is just a messed up year. I do agree with you. He's a little bit of, um, you know, what they call a tweener. When they call a linebacker like a tweener, like he's not big enough to be a linebacker. He's not big enough to be a defensive lineman, but he's not whatever to be a linebacker. Bateman is not a field stretcher, but he's not big enough to be a possession receiver. But I just think his overall game, he is very good. He's extremely talented. He might not be my one 
by the time we get through the rest of this season, there's stuff. I, I I said I was not going to really change my ranks much coming into this year because it was going to be a weird year. Bateman was my one coming in. It was more two chase three. That may change. I want to go back and look at more stuff throughout. As you know, you've talked about many times on this show. We're getting to the point where now we can go back and watch a ton of film and we can actually start doing real evaluations based on what we've seen live. I do still think Bateman has a ton of talent. Landing spot may affect him a little bit more than others. I just did a show the other day where they had him going to the Saints. I actually think that would be a great place for him to be opposite of Michael Thomas. Uh, but I, I agree with you. He's a little bit of a tweener, and I'm interested to see how he thrives at the NFL level. I just think his skill talent is so good. I, I can't see him not being a good player. But I think he goes in round three, by the way, not round four. Yeah, I think he's in a round three. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's in round three, yeah. Okay. I think that we have seen, um, we saw this last year with Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, 18-year-old, breakout age, had all of the production. The NFL didn't even get invited to the Senior Bowl. And I, I really think that that's because the NFL just didn't believe him. They just didn't believe that his skill set or what he showed in college translated to the NFL. Now, I think that Rashad Bateman is better. Than, than Tyler Johnson at some things, but I think Tyler Johnson was a better route runner. And if you're going to be a slot receiver, you have to have that elite separation ability, and I just don't think that Rashad Bateman has it. And so if we're going to put him outside, he has to have the physical tools to beat boundary corners, to beat Patrick Peterson, to beat you know uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey, to beat those players, and I just don't think he has it. Um, my, my coach, my college coach, used to say that if you hide a player on your defense, you can hide them, uh, the field corner, the, the person that's the furthest away from the ball. And when I see P.J. Fleck scheming his offense, he is often getting his best player against somebody who can't cover. And so that's why I have my take on Rashad Bateman. But- so. I think we see that a lot in the NFL now, though. I mean, we see them, a lot of coaches now do that. I mean, I just, just using the Browns in general because I watch them more closely than anybody else. I saw that a lot this year with Kevin Stefanski, moving Odell Beckham around to the point where he got mashed up on a linebacker. I'm sorry, there's no linebacker in the world that's covering Odell Beckham Jr. That's what you do. That's what smart coaches do. So I don't think moving him around to get him in his best matchup is a bad thing. It's just smart coaching. Just my opinion. All right, I don't disagree with you there. Um, uh, well, Bruning, do you have a, another take? I do. Just real quick. I don't think it's going to be too controversial. Maybe I'm wrong here, but, uh, it's an RB one. Uh, definitely won't be anything about anybody being like a Barry Sanders or a Jim Brown type here, but I think of something I've been afraid to say out loud, but I think I've kind of hinted at quite often on this show and on Twitter. I think Travis Etienne's going to be a bust as an RB one at the NFL level. I think he's got – everybody falls in love with his speed and his burst. Uh, he, I mean, look, the dude's phenomenal. He can outrun anybody on the field, in my opinion. My biggest thing when it comes to running backs, their best trait is their vision. And the more and more I watch of him, I don't think he has very good vision. And when it gets to the NFL level – you're not going to be able to use your speed and burst to get around on the outside because these linebackers are faster than they are at the college level. And when you're running into the ass of your linemen, you're not going to be able to use your speed and your burst anymore. So when he gets to the open field, he's going to be phenomenal. But I hate to come – he's got more speed than this player, but I almost see him being Ronald Jones when he gets to the NFL level because his vision is not going to help him get to that next level. So 
that's my my thoughts on Travis Etienne. It wouldn't be the first time that a highly drafted running back from Clemson with a lot of speed and burst did not pan out at the next level. So, you know, I don't really have a problem with that at all, especially after he didn't come out uh, last year. So, all right, Austin, do you have uh, another running back in a take that you are afraid to say out loud? Yeah, so I actually changed the last minute. I apologize. I, t- <laughs> I was going to talk about Khalil Herbert, but I don't think I, I was looking at like some no. rankings for him around the talk league, and Herbert. I think I, I think my ranking is kind of on par with where I've seen him other places because I, I have him as as like in that second tier of running backs. Like after after Javante and Kenny Gainwell, I would probably take him as like my RB five. But I'm Thank seeing you. other places. Yeah, I'm seeing other places get him to like RB six, RB seven. So other people really aren't off the the beat yeah. that much on that one. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure he has the size to be the guy on an NFL team, but I could see him being really good as like a one A one B. He he's just very a very efficient cutter, very elusive, got good vision, can run inside outside. Um, I, I like him a lot, and I hadn't like we talked a little bit about him, you know, weeks ago. Yeah. And um, but I I mean I don't really watch a lot of Virginia Tech football um, for good reason. So. Um, yeah, I, I finally started watching him the past week or two, and I was uh, I was pretty impressed. I, you like him too, Bruning. I know that. Yeah, yeah, I'm all here for the Khalil Herbert love. You're not going to get yeah. anything from me. You're not going to hear me say anything bad about the kid. I think he's one of those guys that I, I think Jamar Jefferson's better, but I think he falls in that class with those guys. And there's a couple guys in this group. I think I don't think Michael Carter's quite as good as those two, but I think he falls in there too. Guys that we're just not we're overlooking in this class that could actually be viable for you for a fantasy and at the NFL level, we're just saying, Oh, it's just these really three guys. And then Kenneth Gainwell who opted out and the rest of this class is trash. And I disagree with that take. I think there's a lot of guys here who are really good. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's any worse than like a miles Gaskin or someone who's yeah. like gotten significant touches this year, you know? So even if he only has a couple years where he, where he gets, you know, he's meaningful for fantasy purposes. I, I, I could see that. Um, but the other, the thing I was, I changed to that I was going to say is um, people People have been trashing the 2022 class. I actually kind of like the 2022 class. I don't think it's that bad. I like the top two running backs in that class a lot. I didn't like C- or Isaiah Spiller last year. And pretty much everything that I said that I wanted him to like to see out of him this year, he's done. He's gained weight, but he just seems more athletic this year. He seems more flexible, more capable of – more explosive – he he looks like a completely different player. People were comping him to like Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell last year. And I was like, nah, this dude's inefficient footwork. This guy's not even in the same class as these guys. Uh, but he's looked really good this year. I really like Kyron Williams. I finally sat down and watched him this weekend. After ETN and Harris, I would take him over any of the running backs in this class. I think, and I, I'll say this, this is another take maybe that people don't want to hear. I think Kyron Williams is what we want Eric Gray to be. In terms of skill set, in terms of NFL ability, I, I think he is a better player by a decent amount than Eric Gray, who I don't think is bad, but I, I just think Kyron Williams is is that next guy. And then at receiver, there you have two prototypical size guys that are at the top in Bell and Pickens that we don't really have one of those at the top of the class in 2021. I mean, the the class as a whole maybe isn't as strong as this year or last year, but there are plenty of guys. Like uh, people have been saying, you know, sell your 2022 first and pick up, you know, I, I sell my 2022 second because the, the depth isn't there, but I like the first round a lot. 
You know, I think it's a testament to these players actually getting better because I agree with you on Isaiah Spiller, but another player that has um, caught my eye recently while in that Missouri game is Zamir White. Uh, Zamir White just seems burstier than he did in previous seasons. And so, um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, and then Traylon Burks pot- could potentially come out next year too. Um, and so he's got that elite size with him. So, all right. All right. That segment wasn't too, that segment wasn't too bad. I mean, I think, uh, I think my takes were a little bit hotter than you guys. I think you guys kind of dipped your toe into the hot take water. But um, well, I, in I didn't, fairness, I, didn't know I we misunderstood were talking the segment. Yeah, yeah I, I misunderstood the segment. In fairness, so that's probably why mine did not sound that good. Am Am I still Am I still here? Yeah, still you here. you froze up for a second, but you're back. Yeah, you're good. okay. Okay. All right. Let's go to the. Issue of potential transferees, potential for players to enter uh, the transfer portal. Let's start with G. Scott. Now, let me set this up for a little bit. We've got Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, who are getting the majority of the playing time this year. And, of course, Coach Brian Hartline brought in um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, G. Scott, and... I, why is the, the number one was Julian, Julian Fleming. Oh, Julian Fleming. All came Sorry. in. All came in. Yep. Julian Fleming all came in, in the class last year. And Brian Hartline again gets the number one receiver in the 2021 freshman class in how do you say his name, Bruning? Mika Buka. Amika. Amika Buka. Yes. Same difference. Bruning, what are your thoughts? on whether we have one of these players, maybe specifically G. Scott, because to me he seems to be the low man on the totem pole, enter the transfer portal. I don't think it happens. I I just – there's no reason to. And I mentioned this uh, earlier in the year. It did not happen, and I think a lot of that is due to the weirdness of this year. Ohio State is competing for a national championship in a just completely messed up year, mostly for the Big Ten and the way they handled it. Uh, and they were trying to get Justin Fields the Heisman. We've seen Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on the field for 97% of the snaps with Ohio State. If you go back and look at previous years, you've not seen that. Most of the time, those wide receivers, the top guys get about 60 to 70%, but that's it. They tend to swap those guys out. Next year, Chris Olave is gone. Jeremy Ruckert is gone. Or I think he's gone. He couldn't can't come back, but I think Ruckert's going to leave with kind of a – Outside the top three, I think Rucker could easily slide into the four based on what you think of him. He's a good blocker, really good offensive player. We haven't seen a lot of him at Ohio State because they don't use the tight ends much, but I think he could slide into that four spot. So I think he'll be gone, which I think is going to lead them to go back to those four wide receiver sets. So you've got Garrett Wilson, who's going to be the clear alpha there. Julian Fleming and JSN are going to probably be the other two. But my thing is they're using G. Scott on special teams more than they are any of the other wide receivers, which I think says that they like to use him. And the one thing maybe you guys don't know or has been overlooked by a lot of people, he has been out for the past two games. He has been, I I don't know if he tested positive for COVID, COVID contact tracing, but he has been out with no injury listed. And it was right around the time that Ohio State had all this stuff. So he's been out out of the past two games where he was leading Fleming in snaps going into that game. So you can't tell me that G Scott wants to go out and transfer when he was having more, he was on the field more often than Julian Fleming. Now he wasn't doing anything. He's only gotten four targets 
in those couple of games. But the only one who's done anything is JSN. Julian Fleming hasn't done anything either, who is highly recruited as this Julio Jones next type player. I don't think any of them transfer out because I do think they're going to go more four-wide set, especially because they're going to likely lose Justin Fields. And I don't know. None of these quarterbacks are going to be Justin Fields, in my opinion. Next year, they go more five wide receiver set spread it out. I think G. Scott should be on the field outside of Garrett Wilson and JSN. Uh, I've talked about it before. Uh, he, he's a more complete wide receiver than Julian Fleming is so far that I've seen. I don't think Abuka or I think he's the the Jalen Ballard is coming in this year as well. And they've got Mookie Cooper, who I think is really talented, but at the same time completely missed his senior year and now has not got to do anything this year either. So I think he's going to be even further behind those guys. So I think he stays because this will go into his sophomore season. Then maybe his junior year when you're going to see Garrett Wilson leave, I think that's when Abuka, Cooper, and these other guys, Ballard, you'll see Burton come in that ne- that next year. Some other guys, I off the top of my head, can't remember. It's been a ridiculous recruiting class these past couple of years. We'll take steps forward, but G. Scott, with the nuances that he plays in the wide receiver position, I think he's going to be their Garrett Wilson in the coming years. So there's no point, in my opinion, for him to transfer out. Well, you've got next year, you've got Chris Olave is going to be gone, Garrett Wilson, and as you said, potentially Fleming and Jackson Smith and those are going to be your starters, but most likely be your starters. Then you have a new quarterback, and you're bringing in Travion Henderson, right? And Travion Henderson's comp is Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be involved in the passing game. we got a new quarterback, three p- players that are most likely going to be playing ahead of Scott, and a running back who's going to be involved in the passing game. There's only one football. There's only one football and I haven't even mentioned Amika Abuka coming in yet. So we've had potentially four or five number one wide receivers. It's speculation to say that they're going to go more five wide, especially when they've got Henderson in the four backfield wide. and or four wide. And um, it's a new quarterback. So I don't think that we're going to put the ball into that player's hands more than we did fields. And so, listen, I – I think that one of these players, I don't know if it's Scott. I'm saying Scott potentially because he is the essentially the lowest ranked player out of the f- uh, the five, the four. And um, and so I think that eventually he could be the odd man out. So that's my take on on rankings are. I think that by this time all. next year, we get we hear that one. I think by this time next year, we hear that one of them uh, is going to be transferring. Man, no mention of Marvin Harrison Jr. You guys are killing me. I I like Marvin Harrison Jr. a lot. I think he's going to be pretty good there. But maybe just me. I I, I don't think any of them transfer. I I don't. I I think it's the offense is going to be too explosive. We've seen it before with them having a ton of talent there, but – and if all of them, I don't think it's going to be – it's going to be G. Scott because, again, I think he's the most technical sound. If anybody – I'll go back to the first discussion we had and we talked about these guys. I think it's going to be – it'll be Julian Fleming because he was the number one recruit of that class and he's not going to get on the field enough and he's going to feel he can do better somewhere else and so he transfers out. That's just my opinion. All right, let's move on to the next player. Let's talk about Marshawn Lloyd who tore his ACL this offseason and in his stead – Kevin Harris has been playing lights out. Lights out. We've seen Jordan. Uh, Jordan. Uh, oh, my goodness. 
the Eagles running back. What's it's escaping me right Jordan now? Howard. Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard. Jordan Jordan Howard comps for him. Um, just been playing really well, getting a lot of production. And Kevin Harris is a sophomore, so we have a highly touted freshman in Marshawn Lloyd, who's going to come back into a situation next year where he is not going to be the starter. What say you guys about Marshawn Lloyd potentially entering the transfer portal? I I think I don't think he should transfer. And I think it's because the the Kevin Harris being there and even Zaquandre White a little bit too, who was the top JUCO guy this year that they got, they're they will allow him to get back to health without having to worry about being the guy right away. And I think we've seen we all take these the you know modern medicine for granted where these guys can come back in like seven months from a full ACL tear, but not everybody can do that. I mean, Zamir White, who we were talking a little bit about earlier, struggled for a year when he well he's torn both of them, but to mentally and physically, I think it's more difficult than we think now because a couple of guys like Adrian Peterson have made it look really easy to come back from. So I think him being there with Harris to be able to share carries, because I can't imagine if he stays, they wouldn't use him at all. I I think that's better for him long-term and then either Harris leaves or, I mean, I don't know what happens after that, but, but I, I don't think he should transfer whether he will or not. I mean, I haven't heard anything, any rumors about it, but uh, the NCAA today, what they, they officially granted that, that, immediate eligibility yeah. waiver so maybe he i mean maybe we see a lot more guys doing it this year but i think it's better for him to stay if he does i think it's more because he wants to get away from south carolina and go to a better school outside of that i don't think he does and i don't think he needs to kevin harris has been amazing and i did a little thread about him uh earlier i think last week or a week and a half ago about how good he's been Marshawn Lloyd's a better player. And I agree with what Austin said. I think him coming back allows Kevin – they probably use Kevin Harris more often next year just to allow Lloyd to make sure he gets back fully healthy, not wear him out. And then Lloyd comes back in and takes over as the guy it, once Harris leaves as a junior. Because I don't see many running backs coming back for their senior years anymore with the way that position gets abused in the NFL. So I, I don't think he should. And if he does, I think it's more of a he wants to go to a better team than he's afraid – I don't want to say afraid of the company. doesn't want to be in a committee with uh, Kevin Harris. So, all right. So we've got Kevin, or we've got Marshawn Lloyd staying uh, there. Let's go to another highly touted prospect, a wide receiver, Demond Demas at Texas A&M. Didn't play a senior year in high school, um, but for many considered to be the most athletic wide receiver of a very highly touted class has not seen the field, has not seen the field at Texas A&M. What are you all's thoughts on whether Demon Demas should answer the enter the transfer portal? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So, Austin. I think he should because it's clear already there that he's frustrated with Jimbo, that he's frustrated that he hasn't been getting on the field at all. He's now missed two, basically two years of football because he's barely barely played at all this year, and. With how athletic he is, I I don't think he's as skilled as a receiver as a lot of those other guys in his class are. I wasn't as high on him coming out of high school because all I saw was a really good athlete. And obviously, we didn't get to see a senior year to see because these guys naturally develop every you know, every single year. They're so young. 
I the thing I have, think he has to be really careful of though is he if he's going to transfer, he has to get a just a million promises from wherever he's going that he's going to go on the field right away. Which means I don't think he goes to a big like a big school. I think he has to go to I don't know like like a South Carolina size school where he can go and be the guy and play right away. Because otherwise, I think it's a mistake, and he just buries himself on another depth chart. Yeah, I, I'm with Austin. I don't know. The, the worst part about this is we don't know what's going on there at the facility, right? We don't know if he's maybe not playing good in practice, if maybe he made some passes at Jimbo's wife, and that's caused some issues. We don't know. We don't know what's going on, but clearly those two have issues with each other. They they just, for whatever reason, it's not working out. So I agree with Austin uh, somewhere. I would actually love to see him go. I know they just got, I believe it's uh, Josh Downs. I'd love to see him go to North Carolina, maybe get in one year with Sam Howell. Uh, with with his size and frame, get Hal thrown in the ball. But I agree with Austin. I don't think he goes to like an Alabama, an Ohio State, a Clemson, because they've got all the talent they already have in their wide receiver rooms. I don't know if he guarantees himself out on the field right there. Uh, but I, I do think that he should transfer. All right, let's go to another highly touted running back in Trey Sanders. was re- recently in a car accident, so we wish him the best. It, the question is, is who is going to take over for Najee Harris next year? And it appears that that is going to be Jace McClellan and not Trey Sanders for one reason or another. Do we see potentially Trey Sanders transferring, especially when Alabama is always recruiting? You only get so many years uh, as a running back before you need to start making some money. Do we see Trey Sanders potentially transferring from Alabama. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, I mean, no. I, I From everything, going back to, I mean, what, Mark Ingram, Trent, well, Trent Richardson, I think was used more as a workhorse. It just seems like they use Harris that this year as like their workhorse back, but they've always worked in different guys. With the running back talent that we've seen entering all these classes, I don't, does transferring help you that much? I mean, we saw it's worked out for Khalil Herbert this year, but Ricky Slade transferred to Old Dominion. Does anybody even talk about him anymore? He was a guy that was highly touted out of Penn State. I don't think he – I don't even know if Old Dominion's played this year, but Ricky Slade is like, not popped up on anybody's radar. Transferring is not always the easiest thing to do. Like You transfer, you think you might be going somewhere, and it's not – it doesn't work out for you. So leaving isn't always the right answer. I don't know if they use McClellan as the, the full workhorse back. So if Sanders comes back and he's still getting playing time behind that offensive line, I still think he has plenty of time to rebuild his stock. Yeah, and before he went out for the year, he – was the backup. So I, I think Saban will give him every opportunity when he comes back. Cause as far as I can tell, like it wasn't like he was being stupid and like drunk and like drove into a ditch or something. So I, I think Saban's going to give him all the chance to take that job back. Well, it sounds like Sanders is a potentially a buy low right now. You've got that spot is going to open up next year. And uh, I don't think his value could be any lower, at least in C2C league. So go try to get Trey Sanders. All right, one last one. Last year um, at USC, if you were in any college fantasy, Keenan Christian was someone you picked up late after some injuries, uh, uh, some injuries there at USC in that backfield, and he is a uh, true track athlete. He's on his track team there, played well at the end of the season, but has not gotten (laughs) – 
the the ball has not seen playing time this year. Keenan Christian um, uh, has the potential to be someone who can go at the next level and be a kick return man, someone who plays on third down. But for some reason, he is not getting the playing time, and there's no one in front of him that should be dominating touches. His speed should be on the field for that team, and we haven't seen it. I'm going to say no, he shouldn't transfer because everyone in front of him is going to be leaving Stephen Carr. I mean, assuming that he doesn't take uh, another year next year, but Stephen Carr is a senior, so he could be leaving. I'm going to say Keenan Christian is a true sophomore. I'm going to say no, he should not transfer. He should stick it out there. He's also on the track team there at USC, so he's committed to two sports. And uh, so no, no Keenan Christian. Um, transfer for me. Austin, I know that you're a fan of his also. What are your thoughts? Huh. Yeah, I was a really big truther of him coming into the year, and neither of those running backs in front of him are special at all. So I'm just shocked that that USC won't get him on the field. I guess I shouldn't be shocked, though, because they've just mismanaged an incredible amount of talent on that roster over the past couple years. And they have guys that are trying to leave now. Um, they haven't recruited well because they've been mismanaging everybody. So it doesn't surprise me that they don't know how to use him at all. But he, I, I think he should stay. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for parting shots to close the show out? Yeah. Uh, yes. Austin, why don't, why don't you start with us to give us your parting shot? Hmm. Sure. So I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter the past couple days or so, maybe the past week, about – just how much, and I guess it's probably because it's early signing day and, and uh, name, uh, names are starting to get signed on the dotted line. But there, the, we have a problem. We have a talent logjam problem in college football right now. And it's not going away anytime soon. I was reading an article today on The Athletic by Ari Wasserman. Uh, it was a really good article just on the, some of his thoughts on, on the, the looming um, uh, signing day here. And, and he made the observation that as of yesterday, 45 of the top 100 recruits in this year's class are going to one of five schools, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, and Georgia. And it's not, I mean, it's not just on offense, but that's obviously what we care more about. I mean, we talked about Ohio State's wide receiver recruiting over the past couple of years. Uh, four top 100 receivers last year, three this year, at least two more already next year. Bama brought in three top – well, Bama brought in four top 100 kids today because they flipped another one from LSU. Like, it's just absurd the amount of, of talent that's going to these schools, and they can't all play. Receiver is a little different than, like, a running back or a quarterback where, you know, you can get a lot of them on the field at one time. Ohio State has nine top 70 kids this year. The rest of the Big Ten has four total. I mean, I can go on and on and on showing the talent disparities here that's going on. I, I do wonder if we're going to see with this new wave, like people were worried that if you granted the one, the, the immediate waiver for transfers, that it was going to benefit these big schools because they could basically wait until a kid broke out and then bring them in. I think it's going to have the opposite effect. I think we're going to see a lot of these kids where it were, you know, us millennials or whatever are, we need that instant gratification. I I think we're going to see a lot of kids that don't play that much as a freshman and go elsewhere. So I am very interested to see when, it, when, if this bubble pops. 
So earlier this week, a uh, friend of the show, Alfred Fernandez, posted a tweet about making the the championship game in, in the program. Uh, I've got some grainy footage of, of what happened here, so just bear with me. It's, you know, old, old-timey stuff, but please, please enjoy if you're watching. Earlier this week, Alfred Fernandez announced he was very proud to announce he had made the inaugural championship in the illustrious program Devi League. Very soon afterwards, our own Felix H. Sharp II replied, Cheering for you, bro. Fist bump. Which led to some serious heartbreak as co-host, brother-in-arms, friend, or so he thought, Matt Bruning realized that his own co-host, Felix Sharp, was cheering for him to lose in the championship game against Alfred Fernandez. I know it was you, Felix. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. That is, um, that's awesome. That is awesome. Hey, look, for you, man. I, <laughs> I, I'm hoping for the best. Who won? Who won the game? Has it been played? It's, it's this weekend. No, it's this weekend. It's this weekend. Um, can I cheer equally for both of you guys? I like negative. My, uh, Get I out, Fred! Out of here! here. I can't take it back. I can't take it back now. Hey, that's going to be our show for tonight. You can find our written content at Dynasty Nerds. Email the show at DebbieDebate at Gmail. Get in that drawing for the Kyler Murray jersey. Tweet at the show at DebbieDebate. Our apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning, for Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter up the cut it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. 
Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.